a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. This is the Atlanta Supercross wrap-up. Lots to talk about. Let's get right into it. Presented by Fox Racing. Foxhead.com. Visit local authorized Fox dealer. 2016 Flex Air gear out now. Star Wars gear. They probably don't have any left, but there's some on there. If your dealer doesn't carry Fox, go to a new dealer because they should carry Fox. Foxhead.com. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, they wear Fox. Why don't you... All right, with me uh, on the line, my boss at RacerX, the online editor, the voice of NASCAR, the voice of American Motocross, the voice of GNCCs, the voice of quads, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. Oh, it was a big NASCAR weekend, too. Oh, it so, was, was it oh, ever. So good. And we're going to get into that probably right up oh, the yeah. hop. Also here in studio this time, he's doing the Pulp of Mech show tonight, so uh, he came in early, and uh, we're going to do the podcast with him, too. Fly Racing Zone, Privateer Hero, Jason Thomas. Uh, that's me. I'm here. I'm in studio, ready to. Uh, we're going to do the pulp show tonight, which is obviously yeah on another level. Uh, but yes, and much better than this podcast. Yes. Oh, pulp show. much yes. better. Well, I like the yeah, sponsor. I like the sponsors better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, all right. Well, first off, do we want to start? I want to start either with Lapper Gate with James Stewart, or I want to start with Clint Boyer. JT, you pick. <laughs> I like Boyer. Okay, let's go right off the top. So there was a Na- there was a NASCAR whole shot competition, and four drivers uh, got on uh, on bikes, and there was a white line, and the winner got fifteen thousand dollars to the charity. I would hope I didn't catch that part, but I would hope. Um, Daniel Danica Patrick held the thirty second board, and nobody loves NASCAR more than Supercross promoters. So this literally was a wet dream for some people in charge that that nascar people were there they like us they did a whole shot competition on the track uh clint boyer i keep wanting to say andy all the time uh, clint, clint boyer uh held it pinned. Andy wasn't far away no i'm sure well Andy was around i know that but uh, i mean it was andy i think Andy was the one that made this happen so he's oh, definitely involved okay yeah. well yeah so so yeah. um we all saw clint boyer go right into the wall forget to Forget the break, not break hard enough. And first of all, uh, uh, JT, this was awesome on every level. Yes. But, but it could have been very dangerous. I think it was very dangerous. <laughs> uh, he's He got very lucky for sure that there was a, I don't know what those things are called, tough block, big tough <laughs> block though. Uh, if he had hit the wall, the real wall, <laughs> this would have been on every news station in America. I think the best case scenario, had he hit the wall, was he would only be knocked out. That's the best case. Like, bro, <laughs> like, woo, you only got knocked unconscious. Yes. Thank God. Yes. Worst case, on, honestly, not to overstate this, maybe death. Honestly, I don't want to like, 
be over dramatic, but he hits that wall at that speed into a head into his helmet. Uh, I, I don't think death was worst case. I'm sorry, worst no. case. I mean, if there was like a meat grinder in the first turn, no, for I'm telling in you, in the first turn, or something. He, he was hauling ass. He went right into that wall. <laughs> yeah, anyways, I, anyways, uh, Weed, you were down on the floor for all of this, right down on the action. Um, JT, this will be the last ever. Whole shot NASCAR whole shot competition. Do you, do, you, do you agree? I would have to probably agree. Uh, I think if it had gone smoothly, no problems. Yeah. Maybe, but I think, uh, yeah, I don't think any sponsor are going to sign off on that. I think most of them, like, I don't think Jimmy Johnson rode because of sponsor stuff. I don't see how anybody who is watching would allow that to happen again. Now, Clinton used to race, everybody. So people who don't realize, like, he used to be a pretty good racer. So. He knows they have these things have front brakes, and he knows how to ride a dirt bike. But, yep. but I think what we saw there was the if you who knew the first turn in a race is actually there is a safety valve to prevent you from going too fast down the straightaway. Like there's always been a first turn. We never saw what it would be like if you had a race without one, where you didn't even <laughs> care about slowing down for the turn. Now we know. Oh. You won't be able to slow down if you're not thinking about turning. Like, he, I think he was thinking about catching up, winning, being pumped that he won, and then, uh-oh, I forgot there's anything to do after this. Dude. Like, he used to write. Yeah, he knows how the brakes work. Um, there was – it was funny because, you know, that whole shot could have been around the first turn, and they said, no, that would be too dangerous. We don't want to race into a corner <laughs> or maybe bump into each other or something. It actually ended up being worse somehow doing it without a turn. Oh, <laughs> um, Biffle told me that he didn't ask for permission. He just said he was gonna. He just he said he rides. He grew up riding. He has bikes, and he wanted to do it. And he's like, this would be a good excuse to get on a dirt bike during a weekend, which I never get to do. So I don't know what kind of contracts these guys have. It was mind-boggling to me that he said it was more of a uh, forgiveness over permission thing. Like, it just seems insane that he could just do that, but he did. Boyer almost got seriously hurt. Seriously hurt. Um, he could have broken and, his leg Andy or so Clint. easily. Andy or Clint. <laughs> let, let, let me ask. This is a hey, we just the question I posed to JT before we started recording. So, Andy, a friend of ours, works to work at Racer X forever. Now works for Feld. Um, he gets very mm-hmm. revved up for NASCAR, <laughs> right? He's very excitable up. human mm-hmm. being to the point of Weege. When he was living with you, your neighbors were asked you what was going on on Sundays because there was a man screaming. While you were gone, correct? Yeah, yeah, that is true. Right. Yes, they were like, "What is your neighbor really in a NASCAR?" Because every Sunday he's screaming and throwing stuff and cheering, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, yeah." So he's more into it than you'd realize. So Andy is revved up all the time. Here's my question about Andy, though: Is Andy excited about what happened to his brother, or kind of like a little embarrassed his brother couldn't stop? Like, where is Andy on the revved up scale? Like, was this awesome to him? Or was he kind of like, oh, man, we look bad? No, he, I, I talked to him after it, and, um, and then he texted me a little bit today saying how super pumped he was. <laughs> okay, I <all> think right. <laughs> this was like a, this is one in a million. It actually couldn't have gone better because he crashed, but he got up and wasn't hurt, which makes it that much more spectacular. Like, the crowd went nuts, right? When he crashed, the crowd went insane. It was as loud as the building got. I think it matched where it probably got during that 450 main. Like, half the people in the stands probably thought, oh, they're going to do a drag race. This is going to be lame. But the dude crashed. The crowd went nuts. He didn't get hurt. Clint seemed like he still thought it was cool, even though he did crash. So I think 
Crash only made it more spectacular, got more attention, more media coverage. So I think it actually all worked out with the one in a million chance that he crashed like that and did not get hurt. But 999,999 times he would have gotten hurt doing that. But the brother crashed because he showed he could not know how to operate a motorcycle. He (laughs) whole-shotted. I mean... Exhibit A was he whole-shotted. Like, that's why he crashed. So he looked a bit of a goon. Honestly, I mean, well, yeah. I don't think anyone's taking it that way. <laughs> okay, okay. My bad then. My bad. Carry yeah. on, everybody. This is why they don't put the whole shot line on the start straightaway. <laughs> Carry on, everybody. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we have never seen a whole shot line. It's like, we, I think we learned the first turn actually slows people down for safety purposes. Who knew? <laughs> if you just say okay. there's money on the line to just go straight, this is what happened. But he looked like he couldn't operate a motorcycle. That's what he looked like to me. Yeah, but that's impossible. He <laughs> well, can't not. Well, he I know. The front brake work. Well, I know, and you know, and JT knows, but he slammed into the wall going fourth gear. Well, he was slowing down by that point, but he, he obviously, he could have, if he had used the front brake, he probably could have stopped in time, JT. If he'd used the front brake more, if yeah. he'd used them both the yeah, same, yeah, yeah, really yeah. hard. So to me. But I think the concrete really kind of ruined everything well, he, too. He had a clog, clog of dirt and then went. Yeah, yeah. well, because he brakes so hard because he saw the concrete coming. Either way, when he was on the brakes, if he hit the concrete, he was crashing. 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, so, Okay, I, I, I'm just wondering what the mentality is. Now I know. So we're fine with this. No, I think it was the dude went for it to try to win. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't I, until you, of course, the first contrarian that I've heard to be like, that made him look like a goon. I don't feel like anybody took it that way. I think everybody took it like, this was an exhibition basically with nothing on the line, and he was willing to crash to win it. Um, oh, yeah. Well, okay. Um, yeah, I guess. It's, he's yeah, willing to slam yeah. into a wall. Cool. Right on. Great job. I mean, I'm not trying to be contrarian here. I'm really not. I just, to me. I'm telling you, the only person I've heard react this way. Yeah, well, because I'm a visionary and, and, a, oh, and, a, okay. and a wise man. I just, I mean, come will this on. Will go on your tombstone as well? Yes, it will. Yes. This will also go on your tombstone. My tombstone's yeah. going to be very big. It's going to be very big. Very big. Um, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, I thought, you added some more to your tombstone with Davalos, too. You've added I, even more. I, it's a big weekend for you. Thank, I just thought it made him look like a bit of a goon because he couldn't stop. He could not stop the motorcycle. He almost got seriously injured. Because he could not work yeah. a motorcycle. That's all. That's what I'm. That's where I'm at. Yeah, but I don't think that's the case. I don't. I don't think that's. <laughs> what are you arguing? The telemetry on the bike. I'm sure the front brake was being used. There's no. The dude qualified for Loretta's back in the day. He still rides. There's no way he's like. Yeah, I only used the rear brake. There's no way. It's just. I'm sure, like I said, he probably won. He probably thought I got it, and then thought, "Oh my God, I didn't even think about stopping." Okay. So half well. the distance he had to stop went by with that split second thought, and then it's like a uh, bailout. Uh, I know. I, mean, I think he was. Okay. Right. I, uh, hey, w- hey, was this bike brand new, never been ridden before? Do we know? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, the he brakes four fifty. He was actually worried. I think he did a practice start and stalled and said, "Shoot, this is a lot different than a four fifty. So, whatever. That maybe that means something too. Well, I think just to yeah, throw this in things the, on the brake. Yeah, yeah, the brakes don't work very well. They had they need to be broken in. The pads need to be worn in. The disc needs to be worn in. At least some oh, contact great. cleaner. At least some contact cleaner on the disc. Anyway, yeah. So, I, the, so that could have played a part. Maybe the brakes just weren't very good. Uh, I've definitely seen that before. So, all right. Well, what are the chance abilities yeah. that this comes back next year? <laughs> Zero or negative a hundred? <laughs> I think they'll try. Yeah. You think I they'll? Mean, yeah. 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 I think they'll try. Uh, maybe they'll get Kyle Petty out there. Somebody who you know doesn't 
really get to race anymore. <laughs> hey, you could you could die, bro. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> if you retired and you have six to eight weeks to recover after the crash, and you don't have to race within six to eight weeks, they can bring you out there. We'll get. To, we'll get. Dude, the, the, yep. I was just saying they'll get Kyle Petty and some Sprint Midget guys out there. I haven't watched the race yet on TV, and JT and I are going to do that today, probably right after this podcast, so we're, we're right up for the Pulp Show. How excited do you think was Ralph on a scale of 1 to 10 about this? Uh, 29. Do you, think you uh, could, you, do you think you could possibly hear him like breathing heavy while he was doing it? <laughs> perhaps may or may not have been maybe pleasuring himself while this was going on? Probably a lot of first names being used, nicknames. <laughs> The show, you know what I mean? First name. I do remember him having uh, – Joey Logano was on a Supercross. I can't remember to do an interview for something at some point. He uh-huh. stopped by. Yeah. And I noticed Ralph threw in nice talking to his sliced bread, which is his nickname, yeah. to show that he knows nicknames. Um, I mean, those guys all know Ralph. Ralph's connected over there. So, yeah, I'm sure he was No, they, they know him, but nobody loves NASCAR and the cross promotion. More than Weege. Wow. <laughs> well, Weege was actually forced yeah, was down there. Down. Weege was forced down there. He wasn't meant to be down there. He was – Pressure yeah, well, uh, Brandon Short, who's now PR for uh, Feld, now that our good buddy Denny Hartwig has moved on to, ironically enough, an NASCAR <laughs> track. Uh, he's like, we really, really, really want the guys like you to be able to get access to these drivers and actually get quotes on them after the race, which is funny because this is the first time since they stopped doing post-race press conferences, which I think was 2006. Uh, when I used to host them. So this is the first time in 10 years there's ever been an attempt to help the media get quotes from any of the people involved. And it, wasn't, even, and, and, and it wasn't from dirt bike riders. It was from the NASCAR drivers. No. No. I mean, it is, Mathis, you live it every week like me. It is scorched earth. Go to the pits, try to get them before they leave. No one is going to help you corral riders. There's no media area, no post-race anything. Um, but suddenly here we had it hooked up. Um, and... With the limited NASCAR experience I actually have, I do know that when you get to these guys they and girls, they know what they're doing. They're good interviews. They know how to handle it. So um, that part was good, but that's what I'm saying. I saw NASCAR reporters down there. I saw Supercross people down there. No one said, oh, my God, that made him look like a goon. Only you took that. <laughs> I'm sorry. This event. I, I used to race dirt bikes. I like dirt bike racing. Right there, that is on MX Fails. That's what that is. That's <laughs> MX Fails right there. And, and, and we laugh at MX Fails. Uh, Bobby's first race. Um, Brandon's first race. Brandon's first race. The quad guy who goes into the wall. We laugh at those guys. Ha, ha, ha. Look at these idiots. Don't know how to ride dirt bikes. Ha, ha, ha. But, well, that's going to be Clint Boyer. But we got on SportsCenter for it. We never. There's no way we get on SportsCenter. They got on SportsCenter? Oh, yeah. Really? Absolutely. Oh, wow. I'm yeah. impressed. Well, again, we're on Sports Center for There's the wrong. There's so much I've noticed, but the, it, it brought a lot to the table. I know that some people are mad because, hey, four NASCAR drivers got to be part of Supercross, but they didn't bring Ryan Dungey out to Atlanta Motor Speedway the next day to do anything. You know, that we didn't get a. That's my whole point. We, that's so to speak, that's my whole get, point. Yes. Right, right. There were definitely things that will help. I mean, as JT just said, I guess on Sports Center, um, I mean, all the who's who's like they, there were tons of other drivers down there that were not involved. Like I saw Kevin Harvick there and et cetera, et cetera. Just I'm like, oh, like practically every driver came, and then all the standard beat reporters, even the producers I know from NBC, they all went and they, um, they had never been to a Supercross. They'd always heard about Supercross. They'd always watched Supercross, but all these people who had never gone. And one of the reporters said he's like, man, walk around these pits like. If I was a sponsor, I could see where this is where I should be spending my money. These are kids and families. Like, we don't get this type of young group 
the fans of the NASCAR. I think there's influential people, so to speak, that went would have never gone to the Supercross except for this. And they're like, wow, that was a really good show. The opening ceremonies were awesome. How lucky were we, by the way, that the race ended up being superb? They're not normally that good. That's our little secret. Um, when I saw people the next day, they were like, that was an unbelievable show. That was so cool. And not just the NASCAR challenge, the whole thing end-to-end. Opening ceremonies to the last lap of the 450 main. That stuff does matter that well, you know, these big-time people went and thought this was cool. I'll be anxiously awaiting all the new money flowing into the sport. I cannot wait. Yeah. Welcome, Verizon and Taco Bell. Welcome. I can't wait. There we go. I'm just saying, pig. I'm just saying, bro. I get it. I agree with you. You go to St. Louis and Atlanta and Indy, or not so much Indy, but the old Indy. You can't walk around the pits. It's an insane thing. And I always sit there. This is my 20th year of going to the races. My 20th year. And I sit there and I go, nothing's changing. Like, I mean, where are all these people? Welcome Taco Bell, but Jimmy Johns is there. Jimmy Johns is all over the place. So. It's not yeah, like, but, but Jimmy Johns only came on because Ricky and Harvick are buddies. Okay, well, that's Jimmy what, Jones, what's different about this? What's different about NASCAR being there and that bringing no, more money? What in? I'm saying, like, we only get these deals, and Jimmy Johns is great. Don't get me wrong, yeah. that is awesome. But we only get these deals because of some bro connection. No legitimate Fortune 500 company is like. Have you seen the pits in NASCAR? Have you or motocross? Have you seen the the demographic they're going? Uh, it's an exciting sport. They're getting a one share on FS1. Like we want to be, we want to be involved That's in this exactly sport. Exactly how it went. Okay, now they're gone. Wow, they're no, still, they still sponsor se- Supercross. Se- they sponsor series. They'll be gone. Watch their contract will be up when their contract is up. They'll be gone. Okay, well they dumped a few million, five million dollars more maybe <laughs> into the sport. I'm just but saying they come on there's the, no they, downside. Just, no, no, there's no downside. But I'm waiting. I'll be sitting here waiting. Okay. I'll still be going to the pits another 20 years. God help me. <laughs> and I'll I'll wait. So I just I, I like I agree with you, Weech. I agree with I talked to David Evans this weekend for a while. We're gonna do an interview. And I'm just like, why aren't like seriously, you guys would we you would know the n- number of dollars spent in NASCAR. Like a company like Verizon or McDonald's could break off one million and own a team. Like think if you could you could give Coy gives $1 million for the title sponsor, and he would almost do anything to you or for you for that $1 million. <laughs> and that is a small... I have a theory. I have a theory of one huge, huge missing component. Okay. Um, which is the complete... Everyone assumes, obviously, the sponsorship just comes from... They look at the numbers. They look at the dollars spent for it. Those impressions are worth those amount of dollars. What I've learned more and more is that's a good part of it. But... Some huge high-up person who's making a lot of money at these companies is the person who's going to sign this check. Right. And honestly, what they are looking for for themselves is a huge VIP experience. So maybe we could just send them with JT and a BTO <laughs> rate for the weekend. Maybe nope. that would do it. Well, but Brayden will when be you there. go to an NASCAR race, the efforts put in to have folks that really wouldn't care about who wins the race have a good time, feel important, feel on the inside. Let them see the cool part. The whole purpose of these couches and boxes right behind the crew chief, watch the pit stop happen. Stand right behind him. You can see everything he can see, all his screens, all his data. Watch it. So you feel like a big shot. I got inside access that I could not get at any price in any other sport. You cannot buy your way to stand behind Rich Rodriguez at a Carolina Panthers game, but you sure as heck can stand behind any crew chief and watch everything they do at a NASCAR race. And it's hard for anyone – the CEO dude, 
his wife or the female CEO and her husband, whatever combination comes, it's hard for them to not feel like we were treated awesome. My ego and my money bought me access that not many people can get. Sign me up. Because when rich people do come in and buy motocross teams, what's the real reason they're doing it? They're not doing it for their business. They're doing it to feel important and feel like they're awesome. Well, NASCAR does a superb job I know of that cornering the, the ego market. Yeah, and I know JGR has gotten sweets for the auto trader people, and I'm sure the RCH dudes do that too. So there is some of yeah, that, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so NASCAR has <laughs> nailed that part, and I don't know what the solution is to get more of it uh, in the Supercross end, but, uh, but I think that's a huge part of what's missing. The number of tickets sold, the number, the TV ratings, the number of interactions – Again, it's very high. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I think more people should be in our sport. Absolutely. I, I think there's a future for those blue buffalo skins type of thing on, on, on bikes. Um, but I just don't see it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and I've been waiting. And we got Monster Energy drink. We got energy drinks. And, shit, we had Coors and Levi's back in the day. You know, we were on ESPN2 back in the day also. But So, anyways... Well, what I, what I suggest is none of those CEOs or CEOs' wives or anybody uh, walk the pits of a national because you could step in a muddy, muddy pile of water and mud and get sprayed by mechanics washing their bikes. So I just want to put that out there once again. Once again, hashtag. I know. That's hashtag, another one on your tombstone. Hashtag. That's a huge. That's, that's, that's a real thing. And I know that any fan listening to the show will be like, who cares? That's what motocross is all about. I get that. However, if you're going to complain that you shouldn't cater to these CEOs, then you cannot complain that the riders don't make enough money, there's too many privateers, the purse should be bigger. You cannot complain about any of those things if you don't also think you need to bend to bring some money in, because that's why these dudes get paid and the one girl gets paid in NASCAR, because of all the catering to that. 21 minutes on on, uh, Clint Boyer, and and let's let's talk talk about the race. Okay, so we're lucky, Weege. We're lucky to have a man like JT here because there's probably no one who's made as many main events, 130-ish, and been lapped in main events than Jason Thomas, the man right here. Of course, we had the Stu, uh, James Stewart came back. He finished. He got fit 14th. What, was that the Rocky Mountain wild card? No, 13th. Oh, okay. I got it right. <laughs> Great. Um, so um, there isn't a man who's probably more experienced, and don't take this the wrong way, JT, in getting lap than you. We all we all remember Hangtown. Yeah. <laughs> you screwed Ryan Dungey yep. over. Um but but in all seriousness, um what's your takeaway from that? Like what do you think Marvin did James cost Marvin the race? What did James should James be, you know, suspended, fined? Should what happened? And what's your take? I do think James made a mistake. I think James is that as far as I can remember, that's the first time he's ever been lapped without crashing. I've never, and I could never imagine a, in a scenario where James raced as hard as he could the whole race and got lapped, which is what happened, but I've never seen that happen. I don't think it's ever happened. So I don't think he has much experience with knowing where to go, knowing how to get out of the way, where the good spots to get are, are to get out of the way. Uh, so I don't necessarily think... He screwed up as bad in the rhythm section as I do in the previous two straightaways. I think he had ample room and time to move. Uh, because if you watch, when he comes over the wall, it's the first time he kind of sees the blue flags. So I can understand him not wanting to make an erratic movement going into those whoops. No problem. The next straightaway, perfect time. You're on a straightaway. Just pull over. Move out of the, move out of the way. They'll both go by you. You just keep going. I've done it hundreds of times. Um, the next finish line jump 
he goes into the main line again, jumps the line, and then stays in the race line through those whoops as well, which he should have moved out of the race line. Like, that's the whole thing. I, I base my article tomorrow that comes out on this race line idea where I know where the race line is. The leader knows where the race line is. Everyone that's good enough to be in a main event knows what the race line is. So you get out of the race line. You don't make an erratic movement. You don't do something that's not predictable, but you also don't choose the race line when you're choosing your line through a section. And James did just that. So by the time he had gotten to the rhythm section where all the drama went down, he had already given up two great opportunities to get out of the way. Uh, And really in that rhythm section, he shouldn't have kind of pressed the issue in the turn, and he probably should have rolled maybe on the left the first jump and let both of them by. But he did go left, so I don't even think his line in the rhythm section was all that bad. But by then, the damage had kind of been done, and he should have already been out of the way by that point. Yeah, yeah, I think, like, obviously, I think he's tired. It's near the end of the race. He probably saw the groove in the whoops down the middle and was like, I'm going there because that's easy. But it was already, like, that's... That's the only reason I could think of for going in that line. But, yeah, before that, w- w- yeah. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. you got to be aware. It's an entire flat straightaway. Right, and you have to be – you know, it's situational awareness of, hey, I'm in 14th. It's probably the worst he's ever done without crashing, obviously. So why are you even worried? Like, if the leader's there, just get the hell out of the way. Like, I, And trust me, I've been in that spot, as we talked about, more than anyone ever. If you have pressure and you're in a battle or whatever, I get it. Like, it's happened. You see it happen time and time again. Nick Way a few years ago, yep. there was a you know deal with him where he didn't. They, people say he didn't move enough or raced with the leaders or whatever. Um, but I just, you know, the situation where everyone's saying, like, that rhythm section is really the problem. I say the problem is was two straightaways leading up to that. And James should have made a more conscious effort to... Uh, let those guys go by, you know, and you don't have to stop on the racetrack. That's not what it's about. It's, it's not hard to slow your pace just enough to let those guys go by. It's actually really easy. What do you think, Weege? Weege? So I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. We discussed this on Twitter quite a bit, how, you know, I, literally a thousand people said James is the biggest idiot ever. And a thousand people said James had nothing to do with it. Uh, Marvin choked. Um, that's the society we live in. Um, I think we know that the answer is somewhere in between. James did not hit Marvin. He did not make him crash. Uh, but I think him being there and probably reacting a little differently than a typical lap rider, and then Marvin under more pressure than he's ever been in in a race ever, I think Marvin freaked out. So James didn't cause the crash per se. Marvin crashed on his own. The pressure, I guess, got to him in a panic situation is what I think. Um, but if James was not there at all, if he had rolled past him on that start straight, None of that would have happened. Like, why would Marvin have just jacked up that triple? He would have done it. So the answer is somewhere in between. James could have done a better job, but last lap pressure's on. you got to make the right decisions in those situations, and I think it got to Marvin a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with both you guys, really. I mean, if it was, of course, it was anybody else but James Stewart. Uh, Probably none of this. When we saw this materializing, (laughs) I think that was everyone's reaction of in that press box. Like, no, of all people, it's going to be Stu that they've got to get around on the last lap, and Marvin's riding the race of his life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Now, DeCoster told me, you know, he thinks Stu did not want to get lapped when he saw them on that start straight. That's why he whipped it up and didn't let him by. But I don't know. That's his opinion. Hey, that could be something to that. I'm not saying that that's the reason, but. There could be something to that, JT. The only way I think there could be something to it is if he thought it was Dunge. 
because of the whole A1 thing. I think, I think personally, and I obviously haven't spoken mm-hmm. to James, I think there's a little animosity there um, about how that unfolded A1 and, and you know, whether – what the intentions were, et cetera. Uh, so I, I could see that if he indeed thought it was Dunge, maybe not wanting to move over for Dunge. If he thought it was Marvin, then I don't know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> Do you think maybe he didn't think Marvin was winning? No, because you're, they're throwing blue flags in your face. And you know, like, as a racer, you know who's behind you. You know where the next guy is because for – and I was paying attention to this because it was Stu. For the previous at least eight laps, he had no pressure. Vince Freeze was a good six seconds minimum behind mm-hmm. him. So he had no pressure. So he could mark whoever was coming. He would have seen these guys coming. There's no doubt who was coming, how fast they were coming up on him. All those things, because you see this as a racer, you just you that's what you've done your whole life is watch who's coming and and try to mark people on the racetrack. So I don't think that there was any doubt about whether Marvin or Dungey or whoever was coming that they were coming to lap him between the blue flags and them coming so fast. Yeah, I think um, if there's a blame pie, Mm -hmm. Marvin has to own some of the slice. He's not innocent. He freaked out a little bit. A little bit, bit yeah. You know, Mar- yeah. Marvin's not. Mar- Marvin made a mistake. Right. He was not, and and you know that's a section he's been jumping all night yep. for 18 laps. He jumped that, and he's been probably the best out of anybody. He was doing it great. Marvin has to own some of his uh, mistake slash freaking out over. He, he got flustered. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he got flustered. Right. Um, he's got Dunge on him. You know, he wants to win. It's his first run and all that. So. There's a percent of blame pie, I think, that has to go to Marvin in this situation. Yeah, this is a really good use of the blame pie. Like, that's totally it. And that's the world right now we live in is 100% one or 100% another. But this is not, I don't think, that type of case. There's a percentage. Stu not reacting like a typical lap rider, that's a factor. But Marvin, I mean, he made the mistake ultimately. Like I said, it's not like James blocked past him. Mm-hmm. Does, uh, does Marvin's race, JT, uh, last weekend, last to six. This weekend, uh, uh, should have probably won. Is Marvin now going to be a guy? We'll see. He's certainly making a case for it. I think it's too early to just say, hey, he's he's a top three guy every single time because he just hasn't proven that yet. Uh, but I think he's obviously trending that way. And if you look at where he started the season – it was it was really bad. I mean, he was 15th at the first race and way, way, way off the pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you look at his his you know learning curve in the class and obviously coming back from his wrist, which I haven't heard much complaining about the wrist lately, so I'm assuming it's doing yeah, better. Yeah, no, he told me it was good. Yep. Yeah. So that's yet to be seen. We have you know we're about halfway, almost halfway, somewhere around halfway. Uh, and as yep. Ricky Carmichael would tell us, the series doesn't start till Daytona. So we'll see uh, if he can. I mean, if he rides like he has the past two weeks, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be on the podium more times than not. Um, I thought Marvin was getting over the dragon back the best. I thought he was doing a three three consistently the best. There were reasons why he was doing a weirdo line in the in the rhythm after the first turn. Mm-hmm. On on was faster, but yeah. he wasn't doing it. But the only thing that I still feel is kind of a an issue that Marvin's going to have to sort out before he's ready to win titles or battle for a title all season is, is when the whoops are really tough and we don't see it a lot. Uh, and I'm too, there, there's going to be races during the year where the whoops are really, really difficult. And guys like Chad, guys like Dungy now on the new bike, uh, guys like Stu, 
that's where they shine and that's where they make their mark and they're able, you know, even Millsaps, um, you see these guys really step their game up on a track like that. I don't think that's Marvin's strength. Uh, this weekend was a track perfect for Marvin where the whoops broke down. You could kind of jump through them. You could blitz through the rut. You could do a lot of different things. But when they're big, really tall, really cupped out, and you have no option to blitz, uh, that's where that's where I still think Marvin's weakness is. So that will be where if he can fix that hole in his game, uh, I think he'll he'll eventually become a title contender year in and year out. Chad was good. Third place. Started there. I mean, I, I think those guys. I think those guys surprised them early with the speed, but then yeah. he matched them. You know, hundred percent different guy yeah. in the main event than we've seen yeah. since what San Diego two, maybe uh, San Diego one. He thought since Oakland, he thought he rode well in Oakland, which was seventh. But you know, <sighs> yeah. But I mean, you're talking. We're talking about like he he really didn't lose much time to Marvin and Ryan at all after uh, five laps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. as you know, the race right. settled in lap twelve, lap fifteen. He was right there. So I haven't seen that high of a level from him since mm-hmm. really since San Diego won. Uh, Millsaps and Braden, Weege. Braden, whole, whole shot heat race win. Yeah, uh, he's had some good and bad weeks. You know, overall the results for Braden have been consistent, but uh, you know, last, what, two weeks ago, I think he said he wasn't feeling it, just wasn't, wasn't working for him, and then uh, this time he was, but did he tell you that he had an issue down the stretch? Yeah, he had cramps, side cramps. Yeah, he didn't tell me that. I talked to him a little bit about the, the side cramps. But whatever, I think uh, for both he and Millsaps, they have nights where they're on, and you know, they, even the result might just be like a ninth or tenth, so people probably look at it and think, oh, well, that's not that great. But there's still a lot of riders. We haven't had a huge rash of injuries, and I think it just shows that if you end up with a start on the right night or you don't, it's a difference between a fourth and a fifth or a mm-hmm. ninth and a tenth. And, and Millsaps, of course, who is never one to hide if he's got an issue, you know, thumbs bad. He had a sinus infection. Uh, all these things were stacked against him, and he got his best finish of the year. And he kept saying how bad he felt, but he actually had his best finish of the year. He rode great. So, yeah, he rode great. He did. He he called we me. Were saying, oh, he was sitting. We were saying last week oh. that he might have a real problem with his thumb. Well, yeah, I guess not. Right. He was waiting to get interviewed by TV after the race, so he was down by the podium. And he called me over because I went down there for one of the rare times that I do that. And he called me over, and he's like, hey, I read, what you, I read what you wrote about Marty Davalos. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't really know what he was talking about, to be honest, right off the top of my head. And he's like, you were behind him. You were backing him. That was good. And I was more confused than ever, Weej, and I just went with it. I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was talking about the three-on-three column that I wrote where I was very sarcastic, I thought. JT, you're the one that revealed that you were being that Mathis was being sarcastic, and I think then he didn't know what to say when he realized that he had maybe miscalculated. Well, then he said, Davey then said, no, it's okay because Marty thought it was serious. So then Marty like got some confidence off of it and was like, okay, so it all it all it all worked for the for the better for the for the best. I helped so Marty Marty's win. Pumped on you, right? I helped Marty this. win. In a strange, <laughs> ironic Star Wars universe, I help Marty win. Um, yeah, so it's so kind of funny. Do yourself a favor, folks. Go and read the three-on-three column from last, I think, Wednesday or Thursday on RacerXOnline.com. And read it serious and read it sarcastic. And notice the absolutely massive difference. <laughs> I was like, good job, Marty. 
<laughs> How about this guy? Ten years on good bikes, making millions of dollars in this class, and only two wins to show for it. Well, yeah. Well, Davey thought I was cool, so that's good. I'll take it. Yeah. I honestly couldn't remember what he was talking about. Uh, hey, we're going to hurry this around a little bit. We just doesn't have a whole lot of time, and we spent 20 minutes talking about NASCAR. Uh, Tomac fell on the first lap. JT, I, if that's Ryan Dungey, and he's 20th from that fall, I think he gets higher than 11th. You think so? Marvin just got sixth last week, so okay. I would assume I, so. I, 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 yeah. It just goes back to our argument two weeks ago. Not argument, discussion, sorry. Two weeks ago, like, it's not – he should be better. I agree. You I know, agree. so uh, Roxon got a terrible start, um, jammed up with Sealy, and he came from the back to get sixth. He was uh, th- about four spots ahead of Eli kind of the whole race. Yeah, neither of them really made – A ton of time. No, no. and I, I think Marvin got some help. In Dallas, you know, Trey crashed. All, all these guys were kind of crashing. So that definitely helped Marvin catch up. So it wasn't as – it wasn't apples to apples for for Eli and Kenny to move back up. But I still think that in that spot, I mean, that's where championships are won and lost sometimes is how how, mon, how many points can you get back from, from a crash like that. Um, and you've seen guys like Carmichael and these guys, Stu and these guys, they get back to the front. I mean, Stu it. Stu at Indianapolis in 2007 was in the lead by like lap of 10. You know what I mean? Coming from dead last. Right. So I don't know. I mean, obviously it's not like I'm insulting them. I just think that, uh, you know, if I had to put Dungey in that spot, I think maybe he moves up quicker. And, and did, did you happen to notice how good the KTMs and the Huskies were off the start this week? Yeah. The KTMs are incredible. On starts. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And, yeah. I, and I noticed it more this weekend than ever before. It's just like, out of the gate, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I did the bike test even on a production bike. It's bone stock. You can just tell the Yamaha is actually really good too, but you can just feel it. The bike is so much faster. So, and anyone can tell you a, a really good production bike is going to translate into a really good factory five, bike. Five out of the top seven KTM's this yeah. week. Sash Husky, uh, Seeley and Anderson got into it again. Now I didn't see the last lap thing. JT, did you? I didn't. No. And we were all watching Stu and Marv and, and Ryan, but. Um, did you see it, Weege? I saw only the first one. Yeah, me I did too. Not see the last, last I'm trying to get some video of it uh, through some sources, so I'm working on trying to see what exactly they did. Seeley took Anderson wide in the sand mm-hmm. and kind of stopped and roosted the shit out of him, and then Anderson tuned him up on the torn, turn after the whoops, the left-hander. Yep. Um, on the last lap and, and, and knocked him down, and Anderson got up in 7th, uh, and Seeley was up in 10th, but they were... Like five, six, six, seven. Right, but that, and, and going at it, and that's such an easy turn to do that. If you wanted, which to, one? The whoop turn after, after the whoop. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you wanted to knock somebody down, the door was open because you had to go to the berm, and then the berm slingshotted you right back across where you yeah. could meet someone. So no one's going to do that without just cause because it's going to be ugly. I mean, there's just no way to prevent a lot and hard contact there if you basically meet them when well, they slingshot out of the berm. So for Anderson, if he's wanting to hit him, it's wide open. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Well, Honda complained. Sealy wasn't happy. And John Gallagher, the FIM, told them basically to figure it out themselves. Yeah, and I, I read that, and I was... So I would look for a massive brawl yeah, coming just up face soon. Palm. I just facepalm as soon as I read that. And I like John, but you're going to go talk to Trey Kennard, pull him aside, mm-hmm. talk to him about a practice incident that he didn't even see. You're going to go talk to him about that. You're going to black flag Chad over that. And these two dudes have been ramming each other, have a history. You're going to go, well, let them settle themselves. Yeah. Like, what? 
Like, stay consistent. A lot of, a lot of inconsistency there. Stay consistent here. Yeah. If you're going to pull Trey aside, pull those two idiots aside and be like, stop it. I'm watching both of you. Next next time something happens, fines slash points. I've been a little – I've been critical of John. Uh, that That's a fair assessment. You don't like John Gallagher or the comedian Gallagher. You don't like either Yeah, of them. I find flaws in both. Yeah, the watermelons. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I actually think John Gallagher's actions are funnier than the comedian Gallagher's actions. <laughs> right. That's uh, not a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not good. But I've been really critical of him. But in times like these, I I don't know what else I can be. I, I just don't agree with his takes or his follow-through or the way he looks at things or his knee-jerk reaction at times with the black flag thing. Um, I he, think I think at times he's a bit too emotional for the position he's in. Yeah, I don't think he looks at things rationally enough for that job. I think as a person, whatever you have, your that's your own take. But in his position, he has to be the most rational person around. You have to, because you're the one making the calls. You're the one that has to be the most level-headed. And I just don't know that that's uh, that's him. He explained to me the whole Canard thing. I, I pulled him aside and asked him a question. Mm-hmm. He explained to me, and it made a lot of sense. And I get what he was saying, and that's fine. But you're not going to talk to these two guys. Right. Like you talked to Kanata about a practice incident? Like what? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. If you're going to talk to people, great. Cool. Right mm-hmm. on. Everybody talk. But don't tell Honda, ah, let them settle themselves. Because there's gonna these two guys are not happy right now. Yeah. Like they're going to do something bad. Yeah. Well, I've been yelled at by John. I got yeah. yelled at for stuff with me and Vince Freezy, and I was yelling back at him because he refused to do anything about Vince. So... Yeah, I just I don't know. No, it's yeah. it's just one of those things where it's not just from the outside that I'm 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 not judging. I'm just basically right. observing. But I've been, you know, the the first person in these in these incidents, and I just don't necessarily right. always agree. Weed, you talk to Anderson? Yeah, but it was funny. I I didn't know this last time thing happened. I mean, I think every person in the stadium was watching Marv mm-hmm. and Dungeon Stu and all that. Um, so I didn't know that. So I said to him, like, man, crazy night for you. Just talking about the first incident, like on lap 10, <laughs> yeah. the whoops. and I feel like that one for a situation where two dudes went down, it was as clean as it could be. It was like JT said, it was the way the track was like, Sealy knew what Anderson was going to do. He was going to try to get back underneath. And Sealy's like, I am just stopping on the inside. So you cannot do it. I'm going to stop. So you can't do it. And then Anderson tried to do it. So I'm like, well, Silly tried to block him. Anderson tried the standard repass. They both went down. It's it that was that was racing. But then Anderson decided to get revenge for that. I think that's going way over the line. And we said with Anderson, he's been on that line at the razor well, thin edge of going too far all year. I haven't seen it. But if you're taking a dude out, and everyone I talk to says he cleaned him out. Yeah, I seems like pretty blatant. I heard from the Honda guys it was really bad, but they're biased, obviously. So. Um, but, right. you know, but, you know, the a Honda guy told me, like, yeah, Cole took him wide in the sand and brake checked him. Like, the Honda guy told me that. So, yeah. He, yeah, he well, Anderson cool. said they were jacking with each other. He said we were playing with each other the entire race. So it was more than just the first thing and the second thing. Right. But Anderson did say this was the most important thing. He said, I, I need to not have my emotions get the better of me like that, that, that we screwed each other up. I should have finished a lot better. I let my anger get to me. So that's very telling. Yeah, there it is. Uh, before we yeah. move on to 250s, uh, James Stewart finished 14th. I mean, it's a start, Weege. Man, it was uh, lap six. We saw him go by. I thought he was I done. I thought he was done. Like, done. Yep, I thought he was done. I, I He was kind of rolling around. Maybe I think it was later than six, Weege, but 
Uh, no, no, he wasn't, no, he wasn't said, rolling what, on the last lap. He was not rolling on the last lap. No, I know it was because okay. I looked at you and you said he's done. And I said, oh, what, you don't think he's got 14 more laps? Oh, that's right. That's we right. Yeah, that's right. That's what you said. Yeah. But he put himself in a box because he claimed he was so embarrassed by pulling out in Oakland. I'm like, he... He's going to really struggle to do these 20 laps, but he cannot pull off now. He has went out there and publicly stated how humiliated he was by pulling off, which I do find strange because he's pulled off a lot in his career, Yeah, often without any explanation. A lot of pulling off for James Stewart, but at Oakland one, he said he would never do that. <laughs> that was so the like, final straw. What is he going to do? And he just got it done. The 63rd pull off of my career was the final straw. He did pull off both practices. I know. Yeah, well, not 20 seconds. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just throwing um, yeah. I, I mean, it's a but start. he is the guy that pulls off. He's pulled off. Like, I can name 10 of them. So it was just bizarre to me for him to be like, Oakland, I would never pull off. I can't believe I had to pull off. <laughs> well, didn't didn't someone say the last – I think I read the last four main events he raced, he's pulled off all four? Yeah. I, I I'm pretty, sure, pretty sure I read that stat. It's been almost two years since right, he finished. Right, but the four events yeah, yeah. he's competed in since that last yeah. finish he's pulled off right. in. Right. In a row. Well, yeah. Monster Cup, Anaheim 1, Oakland. And like Arlington. Oh, uh, Bercy, Lil. No, I think it was a, like a Feld Supercross. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, um, he looked sketchy at times, man, JT. He looked like there were some clipping, some clips. Yeah. Clippy, clip, clip that in I'm the, like, oh. In the main event, I wasn't worried. In the heat race, I was worried. Yes, yes. Yeah, because he was, he was trying to go the pace. Like he was going mm-hmm. for it. Uh, and you can just see he's not ready. He's Dude, not ready to go that speed. I'm telling you, I've said it. Pack it in. Come back and hang, uh, hang town. You got I, I head issues. Yeah, I don't know the answer. I, I can't argue no, with I you. I can't you, argue you, with you. You got head issues and you're not in shape. Go. He's definitely not in shape, for sure. No. I, I you, to me, it looks like the classic guy who hasn't been riding enough because your brain knows what to do. Yeah, your brain knows how to do these things, but your body can't keep up. It's like right. your reactions aren't there. Things are coming, happening too fast. But your brain's like, okay, well, I need to hit this. And then just you're, everything's not moving the way it should when you're sharp. And it, I've seen it so many times, it's easy to diagnose. But the only way to fix it is basically to go ride a ton. And he doesn't have time to do that you yeah. know, before every Saturday. And one more thing on 450s. Uh, Trey Kennard, this is the way his season goes. Uh, passes Ryan Dungey in the heat. Looking great, uh, moving forward, and hits James Stewart, who's down in the sand. Not No fault of James or Trey, and he goes down and eats, eats crap in the sand. Trey Kennard's year, everybody. Trey Kennard's 2016. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Hey, James has boxed himself in, not only with a he could not pull off, but he's missed too many darn races, obviously, being suspended for a whole year. I don't think that packing up and waiting until Hangtown is the same option uh, that it would be for another rider. Wow. Uh, his I mean, he's he's had a lot of faith and loyalty with the teams and sponsors that are they're backing him, and I'm sure he feels an immense amount of pressure to not say see it in two months. I guess, yep, yeah, no, there is that. All right, listen, he's, to, he's in a tough spot. Listen yeah. to this commercial from uh, folks at Race Tech. Use the code PulpMX16 to save yourself money at Race Tech for suspension services or motor services, and also to uh, Michelin Michelin Star Cross Five. Think whatever you thought about Michelin tires before and throw it away. Michelin Starcross 5, all-new tire, MichelinMotorcycles.com. And we'll be right back here on the RacerX uh, Atlanta Supercross podcast review.
Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben Lim- also, they're back with Ben LeMay, and uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Racetech? Go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire they cover all the uses key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting traction handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. RacerX online podcast uh, review of Atlanta Supercross presented by Fox Racing, Foxhead.com. Jason Wygant, Jason uh, Thomas. All right, 250 class. We'll, we'll, we'll have to go quick here, but... Um, I've always been there for Marty. You have. You guys know that. Staunch supporter. Yep. And my column in three on three was mm-hmm. motiv- was proof enough. Yes. That I've been there. You are. I, I would say one of his most loyal mm-hmm. defenders. You know what? You know what I think more than anything this shows is that when you get touched by the hand of God or Tim Ferry, you become a better person. That's what I think it really proves. Marty's working with Timmy. 
He, he was uh, led every lap in the heat, led every lap in the main event. And it's kind of, if you think about it, that's a lot of what Timmy did. Can you explain career. to me what's going on with Trey then? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know how two positives won't connect? You, you, need a, you, need a, you need a negative and a positive to have a magnet. Okay. Timmy's Jesus-like. Trey is he- heavily religious, as we know. So they're not meshing that way. To need him, like, you need, like, Sepkovic <laughs> to work with Trey. That's what you're telling me. Yes. They're two positives, and they're not coming together. All right. So that's the only reason. Um, it sucks that you know that Timmy works with Trey, because that throws my <laughs> whole theory out the window. But, um, look, honestly, good job by Marty. He killed it. I think Malcolm would have caught him. I do. But that doesn't matter. Marty was still getting second and riding very well. I don't know that he would. I, okay. I, I don't know. Marty looked good. Um, the only thing I would have been interested to see, because I think Marty's pace was fine. I don't think Mookie was catching him at all when they were both flat out. Why did Marty slow so much? At the very end, I think he was just had Mookie marked. He had a okay. huge lead, and he's just trying not to throw it away, quotation yep. marks like we always see Marty do. The interesting thing for me would have been, in those last few laps, when Mookie is just going balls out to catch him, does Marty make the mistake? Because he had that gap, mm-hmm. so it allowed him to take two seconds a lap off his time and make right. sure he didn't screw up. Uh, that would have been an interesting scenario to see if Marty could have held up under the pressure when it was real pressure, not yeah. Marty's, seven seconds Marty's back weakness is sort of folding under pressure. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he, yeah. and it's not big crashes. It's no, just, no, just yeah. little tip-overs. Uh, but luckily, he, you know, he can't do anything about Mookie crashing. No, he's yeah, got to race yeah. the race he's handed. Um, Honestly, if, if you – and again, I'm not, I'm not a Marty hater – Okay. Yes, you I, are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. But uh, in terms of impressiveness, I go Mookie was faster to me. I think Plessinger was amazing, and then probably Marty. Plessinger was good. I don't th- Bad I, starts, but he was good. I mean, I don't see how you can say that, though, because Marty dominated as, his heat. As soon as we see some big whoops, you watch Plessinger. Marty's not scared of big whoops. P- Plessinger. But I, Marty went, won his heat, and he had the fastest lap in the main. So I don't know what more you can want. Like, what what more do you want no, Marty to do? No, he was good. He you was good. I mean? Marty was good. I, what more do you want from him that night? There's nothing else he can do. No. He basically no, did what no. Timmy said he was going to do. What Timmy said. Yeah. Yep. So as much as you don't maybe believe in him continuing this. I don't think so. Right. And, okay. I, yeah, and that's yeah. fair. Right. But I'm just saying for that one night, mm-hmm. there's really not much you can take away from it. You just have to give it to him, give him credit to say, hey, great yeah, job. No. Nope. You know, whatever. Weed, you spoke to him, right? Yeah, I talked to Marty after the race, but he's not the most revealing interview. I didn't get glean anything from that except thank his team, and he's worked so hard. Right. But um, I was down on the floor watching the man because <laughs> I thought to say that he wasn't the best guy that night. I mean, Mookie was faster in practice and all that, but yeah. he did it when he had to do it, which is like anti-Marty. So okay. this could mean something. They could be. Uh, Weege, who is your most impressive guy outside of, you know, Marty and Malcolm in the 250 East? And then I'm going to ask you the flip side, who who kind of let uh, you down? Hill, Hill actually was. Hill rode awesome. Yeah. Um, he was way back and he catches of all Jeremy Martin. I mean, he made up a lot of ground on Martin in the last couple laps. So you know that death is in shape. It's always weird to judge anything in round one. You never know. J-Mar could be struggling with our pump, but if you even want the opposite answer right now, it was J-Mart. I thought he'd be better. So Hill was great. J-Mart, I thought, would be better. J-Mart was pretty close to Plessinger at one point. Yeah. And Plessinger walked away from him. 
Um, I'm going to go with Hill also, and I will say Bobby Bowers. I knew Bowers wasn't 100%, but I thought he could manage using his racecraft and years of experience to get into the top five. He was second at one point. Was he second or third? I think he was second. Kmart? Matt Bowers. Uh, second. Was he, he second? Was second? Really? Yeah, he was second. Wow. So he was really off the pace. Durham was a surprise. Uh, good for good for Durham. That's his first finish in a long time. But JT, who was surprising outside of the the usual guys, Mar- Marty and Malcolm, and who was uh, who let you down? Uh, I thought in practice. Well, let's start at the beginning. In practice, Plessinger really surprised me. I knew he'd be fast, but he looked really, really confident, and I honestly thought he would maybe be the winner. Mookie was really fast, but that wasn't a surprise. Um, Bowers, obviously, as you said, disappointment. Yeah, I think the rest... Tonus? I mean, Tonus surprised me they kept getting up. He hit the deck at least six or seven times. Um, I honestly, after the last time he crashed, I honestly would have put Hangtown on the pit board and flagged him in. (laughs) Just save it. Because, seriously, he crashed so many times. Practice, heat race, main events... It just like every time he went out on the track, it seemed like he was on the ground. So I think the rest of it was pretty predictable. You know, like RJ Hampshire had a pretty quiet night. He didn't really do anything flashy. He was just kind of out there. He had a bad crash before the race, hurt his wrist. Yeah, so, I, yeah it yeah. wasn't a bad no, thing. No, no, he was no, just no. kind of. I'm just telling you. Yeah. He was just kind of floating around. Like he right. didn't. He didn't jump off the page at any point during right. practice, during the heat, during the main event. Nothing. So I think we'll see more from him. Uh, but yeah, it was a good start. I think we're gonna see. More of that, I think you'll see Marty and Mookie battling for race wins. Plessinger will be a factor. And I think J-Mart's going to be in there more times than not, too. I think he'll be kind of in there for the long haul. It's surprising. Uh, I talked to Albertson before the night show, and uh, he was just like, I've ridden twice. I broke my foot. I don't know. It's such a change, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, God, this isn't going to go good. And he gets a 10th. So good job for top Jimmy. And Bichelia was horrible in practice. He was horrible. He's like 22nd in practice well, or something. I don't think he rode the last practice. I don't know. Yeah, he didn't get any time. So I don't think he went out there. Right. Weed, you Which got is to... horrible. I'll yeah. give you horrible. And you don't yeah. show up, that's horrible. Yeah. Weed, you got to go? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to say, just keep in mind with this stuff. Uh, it's still there opening around. Weird stuff happens. I would not be shocked if somebody. All right. See you later, buddy. Let's take hey, Thanks for I coming. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Honestly, JT, what's his fault? Well, like, you never know with Weege because he's probably got some kind of discount back alley prepaid is, minutes on a landline deal. This is the third time we've stopped the podcast. To He's probably on a landline using dial-up. And he just says, I don't understand. I don't understand. You know? It's Weege. I mean, his phone. God. Um, it's, it's, I know it's a problem for you because your sound quality is paramount. Uh, so, like, Albertson and Bichelia both surprised me. They both yeah. did well considering how their practices went. Jimmy, uh, in the heat race, um, um, ate a tough block when he clipped it off on the last turn. Then he was so far outside on the um, um, on the start for the LCQ, he came rolling. He, he almost got the whole shot from that far outside. So, Jim Lewis, good job to Jimmy Lewis yep. building those motors because yep. that was something because the odds were against him. If he had let off two feet sooner, he would have been top three on the start. Yeah. He would, have been, he would have been Clint Boyer? Boyer, yeah. He basically boyered <laughs> he it. boyered it. Uh, Luke Reslin crashed while he was up there. McElrath, I think it's going to be three or four rounds before I can tell the difference between McElrath and Hill. 
and who's who. But yeah, I figured it out. I mean, one's taller than the other by quite a bit, so it's a little bit easier. But both of them were. I think they were last and dead last on the first lap of the main event. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Second right? to last, sorry. Uh, Fry was good. He was good. Yeah, better than I expected. I was talking to an unnamed KTM personnel. <laughs> Did you? Were you there? I heard you told me about this. Yeah. I'm not going to say who it was, but he works for KTM yep. and around KTM riders. And he was like, like, just basically like, Fry's terrible. <laughs> He's like, Fry, like, you know, like, it's just all gone sideways. We don't know about this. He's basically writing the kid off before this first round. <laughs> and Wasn't I mean, bad, though. No, ninth, bad. ninth is good. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Dakota Alex riding at uh, KTM with, no, with stock graphics and and then, I don't know if you noticed his suspension, but oh my God, he almost so died soft. in the whoops. Yeah. And he, he almost died in the whoops. He's so light, though, and he's a good starter. Yeah. He was up front the whole time, every yeah. time, like third in his heat and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, what about Durham? Having fun? He was having fun. He's East Coast fun. is toast. <laughs> he's having fun. Uh, yeah, he rode well. I mean, you could see he wasn't ready to be a podium contender no, for 15 no. laps. But, but, but Dude, I saw something from Chase or something that he hasn't completed a Supercross race since 2014. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was good. Good job. He got right? seventh or yeah. something. Yeah. 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 Uh, seventh. Yep. He got Bowers with two laps to go. Yeah. That's, that's hard to believe. <laughs> that's hard to believe because he looked done to me. Done. He did, but Bowers was more, more done. Yeah. <laughs> Would you think Peyton, uh, do you think he tried to wheel himself onto oncoming traffic after <laughs> the main event or back at the hotel? Uh, I don't think the mood was great in the truck. I'll say that. Not good. No. No. Uh, Benny Bloss, oh, he's tall. That's all I got. Yeah, he was good, That's though. He was solid. Yeah. Um, he wasn't blazing fast, but he was solid. He got caught up in that Tonus, Herline. It was basically my whole fantasy team crashed in mm-hmm. the whoops on the first lap of the heat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he got caught up in that, and then he rode solidly, and the LCQ came from behind, got in easily. Uh, he'll be a top 12, I think, 12, 13 guy week in and week out. One um, thing that we – yeah. Herline didn't make the main event, but qualified what uh, tenth. tenth fastest, yeah. ninth fastest, yeah, brutal. just brutal. so that could be a guy going forward, maybe. But <sighs> my fan, I don't even want. To. We'll talk about yeah. fantasy Wednesday, but yeah, holy yeah. moly. Okay, well, uh, anything else? Um, trying to think. I think the guys got their work cut out. I think we, uh, I think those top three or four are going to be tough. Well. I think that top five, what we saw out of the top five, Davalos, Malcolm, Plessinger, Martin, and Hill. Mm-hmm. I think Bowers is now going to struggle. Or, or, you know, he'll get better, but it's – I already am writing him off. I hate right. to be, sound like that. As far as a title guy. You yes. know, he's not going to recover quick enough to get – I didn't see anything from – I didn't see speed. I didn't see endurance. Yeah. I didn't. I just didn't see anything where you could say, like, well, he's got that. So if he can fill in the holes, right. you know, I just – it my, wasn't good. My pick for the title was was Mookie for the most part. I, yeah. I was throwing Bowers around, but uh, for the most part was Mookie, and I'm confident. I'm still – I like what I saw from Mookie. I, I still want to see if he doesn't throw it away because he damn sure almost did this weekend, <laughs> which I'm not saying it was his fault. Right, McElrath right, was right. laying in the track, but he almost threw it away, you know, a, a five more mile an hour or something, and they're probably both in the hospital. Uh, how so. much how much blame pie do you put on that on the flaggers and on Mookie? I would say fifty fifty. Yeah, flaggers weren't doing the best job I've ever seen, but Mookie's got to he's got to be, be aware. A more aware, yeah, like, hey, you it's look, blind. Right. right, you got to look where you're going. So um, yeah, you can't really depend on. He probably knows better than to depend on flaggers. Yeah, to, to, especially to, in a blind section, that's the worst right. possible place. So hmm. and J Mart, he didn't look great, but. 
he was solid there. He he didn't really lose any time to Plessinger, uh, but he, he still his starts. I mean, his starts are just yep. bad. They've been bad. Even outdoors, when he wins, his starts suck. Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry, the way Davalos is riding, and he's an incredibly good starter. Yeah. yeah. Mookie's riding incredibly well, well, and he's pretty solid the, as a starter. Well, the Geico Hondas. Yeah. Every uh, time. Uh, uh, yeah. So if Jeremy doesn't fix the starts, it's over. I'm just telling you to tell you that right now. Um, his best chance of doing anything with a bad start is at Daytona. And I honestly think Mookie will probably win Daytona. He's crazy fast there. So, All right. Yeah, I think we covered it. Okay. And you heard it from uh, Weege, Clint Boyer. That's a good thing. Well, That's we kind of heard it from Weege. It's it was a good thing. Slamming into the wall is a good thing, everybody. Every other word we heard from Weege. Yeah. It's a good thing to have slamming into the wall like that. We're all happy about that. What would, what would they have said if, if that was a NASCAR? I wonder if Ralph like jumped into his NASCAR talk like, Boyer's into the wall and turn one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's been the Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Atlanta Supercross wrap-up. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, JT. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as the bad boy Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. 
stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 